You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 92 of season two. Cubs trade options at the DH and the third base spot don't forget to listen download review and subscribe to the fly the w podcast and with the winter meetings happening next week we could see a whole lot of free agent movement and in this segment crawley talks to michael cerami of bleacher nation about the cubs finances and how they are in good shape to make a big big signing joining me now on the fly the w podcast you recognize him from his work on bleacher nation michael cerami how are you buddy I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be back on the show and happy to talk some Cubs uh, financial ability. Well, here, here's the thing, Michael. I mean, how nervous do you get right now when you're talking to a guy like me when all of a sudden the obsessive Otani watch is going on? Like, do you ever have that feeling like, oh, I got to shovel the driveway and that's going to be the moment that the news breaks that Shohei has signed with the Cubs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only that, like, you know, you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I'm like, Oh, did I miss anything? Check Jeff Passage, Jeff Kenrills and all. Like I got my, my specific Twitter list that I have to go through. And um, yeah, it's, it's 24 seven because man, even if he doesn't pick the Cubs, it's going to be a crazy windfall for the rest of the, you know, market and industry. And we got the winter meetings coming up. I mean, it's just, there's a lot that's about to happen and there's not much you can do before it does. Well, then, you know, people always ask me, they'll be like, hey, Crawley, you know, what, what, are the Cubs going to sign Otani? Are they going to sign, are they going to trade for, uh, you know, Pete Alonso? And I'm like, look, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but I can tell you their names being brought up, which is something that hasn't happened in a few years. And, and as a Cup fan for me, there's nothing worse than the winter meeting when you keep seeing other teams linked to players and your team is nowhere in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I one of my favorite things I've written in the last year was before the, season for the 2023 season where I was like, I just want the Cubs to be relevant again. It was so disheartening, uh, depressing when they just were not talked about. I mean, everyone had set them aside for a couple of years at least because they all knew that they weren't doing anything. And right now they are attached to everybody. Um, there, there's very few players that they're not, you know, of the, of the main people that they're not attached to. And it's, it's guys like, you know, Blake Snell and Aaron Nola before he signed. Like, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of that. But for everyone else from Yamamoto to Otani to Soto to Alonzo to Glasnow to Bieber, I mean, the Cubs are involved. They're obviously going to do something um, this offseason. I think it's going to be something probably pretty big. And a lot of that is because of how much money they have available. Well, that's again, you know, I, I always read Bleacher Nation and see what's going on, what you guys are up to. And and, and your article kind of really, you know, just caught my eye when you when with the title, how much money do the Cubs have coming off the books after this season? And, and so, 
you know, we've been kind of in the last couple episodes just talking about, you know, okay, who are some free agents out there? Who are some trade targets? All of those type of things. And like you said, when you take a look at the money right here, and I'm just putting this up here from Spot Track, you know, you're, you're looking at the money that people can spend. It feels to me like the Cubs just have a lot of cash this season. I wasn't even looking at 2025. I was just looking at 2024 and being saying to myself, wow, there is just, you know, you mentioned your article, the Jason Hayward contract and, and just a lot of different things that are happening. And it seems like this is a good time to be sitting flush with cash. Like the Cubs appear to, but you say that as good as 2024 is going to be 2025 is going to be even crazier. Yeah. So, I mean, th listen, there's no doubt that they, that money fell off the books this year. Hayward, Bellinger, Stroman alone count for a lot of money, but it's, it's not just this off season. When you look ahead um, to after this, this season, um, I think there should be as much as like 50 million coming off of their uh, luxury tax money. Um, in addition to all the space they still have right now, which is, is a lot, it's significant, but um, you know, Kyle Hendricks, will be a free agent, uh, free agent, Drew Smiley, Jan Gomes, Tucker Barnhart, Trey Mancini, David Bodie. I mean, those are some of those guys are guys that we forget about because the Cubs have either cut bait or they're in the minors or they've been outrighted. And what's more exciting is not just the 50 million extra that they should have. Um, again, that's on top of all the money they already have available this offseason, which is significant as well. Um, but usually when you lose a lot of, uh, when you, when you gain a lot of financial breathing room a lot of the times that's because you have to replace those guys but like you know like cody Bellinger and michael stroman yeah sure we, we're dropping that salary but we need someone to backfill those performances well we don't need someone to backfill the performance of david Bodie or trey mancini or tucker barnhart and like jan gomes i think by this time next year we'll feel good about miguel amaya and you know, I, I think Jan Gomes will already have been transitioned in sort of a partial role anyway. So you're really looking at like Kyle Hendricks and maybe whatever the Cubs get out of Drew Smiley as the, the pieces the Cubs need to to replace. And, and so that money might be accounted for. But all the rest is just like going to be like free money because it's not players that you need to to sign um, to, to fill up uh, those spots. So that's really exciting. And I think that that's going to really – allow the Cubs to maneuver this offseason um, in a way that will be more aggressive if this money wasn't coming off the books next year. And not to be long-winded, um, but, you know, it's it, it struck me when I was looking through the numbers and doing the math that, like, a lot of the um, other ways that people – that a salary uh, – excuse me, a payroll tends to get eaten up is arbitration, but there are effectively no players – uh, that the Cubs will be entering into arbitration besides Justin Steele, who will be ARB2, and Albert Azulay, who will be as well, that should get significant raises. And both of those guys still won't be breaking the bank in just their second year of arbitration. Even if they're really good, it'll be affordable. Um, and then all of the, the players under contract, a lot of the times, you know, most teams backload contracts, but um, these guys are either heading, holding steady like Horner and Hat or Swanson and Seah, who – one gets a $2 million raise, one gets a $2 million decrease. And although that doesn't affect the AAV for luxury tax reasons, it's just further underscoring how much money the Cubs have to spend, either in terms of real dollars or luxury tax. I mean, there is just nothing but space. Right. And then, and the other thing to kind of keep in mind, and I know that Brett Taylor's written about this, is the RSN implosion, 
you know, where the Cubs are sitting there with a lot of cash, you're going to see a lot of teams, the Padres, the Cardinals, anyone with the Diamond Valley that, that are going to end up losing a lot of uh, infusion of cash where the Cubs are kind of sitting pretty with Marquee as much as people kind of were like, you know, uh, what, what did he say? What did Tom say? You won't be booing in a year. You know, maybe he wasn't right on the timeline, but he should, you know, he's certainly looking a lot smarter right now because those teams that had those big RSNs right now are sitting there and, and they are not going to have money to spend. No, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that here's what I, I think the nuanced addition to your point, which is, is correct is I think that marquee probably never made the Cubs as much money as they were hoping. It certainly isn't making them as much money as the heyday of these RSN deals when they were active. Um, but what it limits and upside, it, it backfills in floor because the Cubs control their own fate and they can feel competent in their future, which will uh, not only give them, you know, provide them with money, which is great, but also the sort of assurances that, these other teams are definitely do not have. So their relative spending ability over these other 16 teams um, should increase, which is, you know, again, it's, it's not changing the amount of money the Cubs are making, but it's maybe making them more capable of spending the money they do have because other put other teams, other front offices won't have the, the, uh, the, the certainty that the RSN deals were previously providing. Right. And the, and the best example of that is the Padres, you know what I mean? Where they were, they were spending like, you know, drunk sailors on leave. And now all of a sudden they're having to take out loans and stuff like that. And that's where you see guys like Juan Soto is obviously the big name and, and, you know, Blake Snell and, and just not coming back to these teams and these players are going to be available. Um, tell me a little bit though. Now, you know, obviously we know the big names that are out there. You mentioned Yamamoto, you know, you, we talked about Shohei, um, couple, you know, Cody Bellinger obviously is out there, but you know, there, there, there are guys that are on the trade market. Let's say Juan Soto, let's say Pete Alonzo. And, you know, they're only one year away from free agency. Why would you say the Cubs should maybe trade for one of those guys when, when you can just wait out a year and, and have even more money like you're talking about to spend? Sure. Uh, and I know you know the answer to this, but I appreciate the tee up. Uh, why don't we wait a year and sign Mookie Betts because he didn't make it to free agency? Why don't we wait a year and get Francisco Lindor because he didn't make it to free agency? These guys, it, it, I know that they're Scott Boris clients and they often don't extend. That's not a blanket statement. It could still happen. Um, and on top of that, well, and two, two other things. So one, they might not make it to free agency. So you need to get them when you can. Two, even if they're going to make it to free agency, you get an entire year to uh, figure out what they like, what they don't like, if they're the right fit for your organization and vice versa and to woo them. And you have that nice tiny, you know, uh, window where they can only talk to you exclusivity. And then uh, lastly, and this is the most important one, is there some reason why we shouldn't be trying to win in 2024? Uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I will take, Juan Soto for a year and see what happens after that. Um, I'll take Pete Alonso for a year and see what happens after that. I'll take Tyler Glass now, Shane Bieber, all these guys. You don't just not get them because they're going to be free agents. And I actually really want to hammer this point home because it, it happens in so many different ways. But like everything we learned from like 2010, 12 to now um, in terms of baseball smarts and you know, Moneyball and Theo Epstein and 
it's all true and right and, and it's great, but so many of these lessons have been overlearned in that people are suddenly willing to not want to acquire Juan Soto because the value isn't right because he'll be a free agent. It's like, well, no, because he's going to play somewhere next year and he can help the Cubs win next year. It doesn't all have to be about this long-term uh, asset-oriented thinking. You can just get the good players when they're available and play them on your team. And on top of all of that, a team like the Cubs, whose farm system is as strong as any other teams in baseball right now, they are consensus top five to many, the top farm system in baseball, this is exactly when you should be using those superfluous uh, prospects as trade chips to get good players for the big league team. Some of those prospects won't work out. Some of them will be blocked by other players. Um, and some of them, you know, you might end up saying, I wish I didn't trade that guy. But if you're trading that guy for Juan Soto, who just a few, a few years ago was, you know, the Ted Williams of the modern day, right? Um, it's okay. It's okay to have good players and to, and to use your prospect capital. The idea, the hope, um, and the fear that I think a lot of fans get animated by is, you know, the last time the Cubs started making some trades, um, they didn't continue to churn out prospects at, at the same rate. And, and that depleted the system and ended the run a little bit early. Okay, maybe, sure, true. But one, it doesn't have to play out that way again. I think the Cubs are... Uh, I think Chad Hoyer specifically is much more cautious and guarded about what he's giving up and getting back. And I think that Theo, whom I loved, um, was a little bit more of a gunslinger and like, let's go get the guy and whatever and let's win. But again, even just zoom back into a couple of those specific deals. Um, Glaber Torres for Roldis Chapman, is the value right there? No, of course it's not. That trade would never happen in a million years nowadays. Um, but the Cubs won the World Series. So it's kind of okay, right? Um, Eloy and, and Cease for Quintana, yeah, that was incorrect. But again, that had the right concept in mind. It just didn't work out with Quintana, the player. You know I mean? It, it's not about not trading prospects. It's about making sure you make the right trades. That's self-evaluation uh, and, and you know correctly identifying which guys are all right to move on from and also correctly identifying the players that you're going after. But um, long story short, the Cubs have a ton of prospect depth. The types of prospects that are traded nowadays are not like the types of prospects that were traded the last time the Cubs are doing this. And there's good players to be had in a year when the Cubs should be trying to be good. And they have guys at the upper levels of the minors that are ready to contribute. And there's absolutely no reason in my mind that you can just sit out the possibility of acquiring a 25-year-old Juan Soto um, because you know, he'll be a free agent in a year. Okay, well, there's a whole year in between that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And and to hammer home your point a little bit, you know, it's it, Cody Bellinger truly enjoy, sounded like he enjoyed playing in Chicago. And, 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 you know, when he makes a decision, whatever he makes, and I don't know if the Cubs are in on him or not, but, you know, he's going, you know, having that year of just how enjoyable the Cubs, 
you know, plan the day games for a lot of these guys that have families or, you know, just the crowds that you get every single day and, and the national fan base that they have. There's a lot that's attractive about the Cubs. And, and I think you saw that with Craig Council coming over now and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that are happening, people are saying like, hey, things are happening there. And if you can bring, you know, Juan Soto or Cody Bellinger or Pete Alonzo and be like, hey, this is what we have to offer. The Cubs have, a, you know, and they have money too. Yeah, and, the, and let me add, I, I want to think I sort of said this, but I want to drive it home even more. Let's say the Cubs love Juan Soto and they want to sign him next offseason when he's a free agent, which let's say he's definitely going to be a free agent. Let's say he came out and said, no matter what, under any circumstances, I'm not signing an extension. Um, okay, cool. Wouldn't you rather, before you spent $450 million potentially on a 26, soon-to-be 26-year-old in a year from now, Juan Soto – have a year to watch him closely, fully and intimately know his medicals, how he works, what kind of person he is, what kind of player he is, before you make a half a billion dollar investment in him. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that have some value? Not just in ensuring that he's the guy you want, but how about ensuring he's not, he's a guy that you don't want, right? So let's say you go, oh my God, this guy is, you know, he, he doesn't take care of himself or he doesn't, whatever, whatever it is what a useful piece of information to gain to protect yourself against the wrong $500 million investment a year from now. So that has value too. And I think fans kind of just overlook that, like just wait and get him next year. Might not be there, but even if he is, you might not know everything that you want to know before signing him. Um, You know, a, a recent example of that is like, look at the reverse version of that with Carlos Correa and the Astros. They knew stuff that everyone else didn't know. And that's why their offers to him weren't anywhere close to what everybody else was offering him. And then the medicals fell apart and people learned things. And and suddenly it's a very different story, right? Knowing those guys, having them in your system, working with your trainers, your coaches, your players, how he fits in, all of that stuff matters a lot. And I think that's useful information to gain. Now, if you were to get a Juan Soto, would you just kind of, would you anticipate him kind of rotating with Seiya and Ian and the DH position, or what would you see Juan Soto's role with the Cubs being? I, that's a great question. I think there's sort of two ways to look at this, and it's almost they almost go against each other, but I think they're both true at the same time. I think the only way the Cubs would ever use the designated hitter role uh, in any sort of like isolated to one player instance would be for a, a bat the caliber of Shohei Otani. Juan Soto, maybe like three other guys that exist in baseball. That's the only time you're like, it's actually worth it to go after, acquire, use players' money to get the sort of player. So I do think that Juan Soto is the type of player that could DH only and still provide a ton of value. But I also think that mixing in uh, with Hap and Seiya would be a beautiful way to use all three bats. Um, You have a lefty, a righty, and a switch hitter and maximizing, optimizing the lineups um, for on a day-to-day basis, but also maximizing rest. Because I think that's something, you know, as much as we, as much as it's endearing, I think the Cubs were a little overplayed this year. I don't think there was really enough rest, especially for Dansby and Nico and Hap played a ton. I, th- I don't remember offhand, but I think he played the most games he's ever played. Um, and, you know, Seah's had injuries in the past. I mean, these are things and guys that you can rest, but you only really are comfortable doing that if you have the right other players to, to maximize that rest and, and still win games in the meantime without giving stuff up. So if you get someone like Juan Soto, 
um, you you could uh, use them in a rotation. Now, I think that the way it would work out practically is most of the time, so does your DH. Um, but he could play right, he could play left, and Hap and Seiya can also DH, and they can also take days off. And I think that that's a perfectly wonderful way to go about it. And I especially like the idea of adding a really big bat in that position, um, like again, like Shohei or, or Soto, um, because it might allow you to more comfortably use Pete Crow Armstrong in center field, perhaps even earlier than you would otherwise, um, because you can carry his potentially weaker bat early on if you're making up for the offense elsewhere. Um, and you still get to take advantage of his glove then. So I, I think it's pretty critical that the Cubs get a like true impact bat, of which there are not many available, unfortunately, at least in the free agent market. Um, but I do think they're going to try to. Uh, and uh, DH, first base, are kind of the only options because I, I do think at least I I do think I hope I think I I think I hope more than I think that Christopher Morale could emerge as a, the third baseman and I think he can be an impact bat as soon as next season I think he's already as close to as a lock of a above average offensive producer um, as the Cubs have I think he will I think he's I think we just need to like get that out of the way and settle that like, he is going to be an above average offensive producer, but I do think he's capable of being special too. So you're looking at first base and DH as the primary opportunities to add that bat. And if you add a DH, you have the added benefit of, you know, swinging it around to happen Suzuki, like you said. And the, and the one that also gets Cub fans interested is Pete Alonzo. You know, that, that, that every, you know, ever since getting rid of Rizzo, you know, that first base position has just been an absolute bugaboo for the Cubs. And you're just sitting there just saying like, you just want an anchor there, you know, somebody to, 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 take over that position. And when I think about Pete Alonzo and just the damage he does against the Cubs and, and the potential damage he can do playing 81 games at Wrigley field, it is definitely something that gets Cub fans excited. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's weird. The, the Otani stuff has just sucked, sucked up all the oxygen in the room because this offseason started pretty hot and heavy with Alonzo and Soto rumors for the Cubs trade rumors. And then both sort of died down considerably um, as all of the attention has been focused on Otani and Glass now this last week or so. Um, but I think Pete Alonso would be an excellent addition. He's still young. He hits for power. And he, again, he plays a position of need for the Cubs. Um, I don't think, you know, the Mets have been pretty confounding because they initially seemed to suggest that they were going to take sort of a gap year, um, trading their big aces halfway through the year three months into their new deals and, and then sort of the tone changed a little bit and suddenly they're being attached to guys like Yamamoto, especially. Um, but then at the same time you look at them and you say every dollar extra they're spending right now is like $2 because of the way the, the, where their payroll is at and the luxury tax, they're at the very, 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 very top uh, tier. And it, I find it hard to believe that they're going to lay out any extra cash for Pete Alonso this off season um, when it costs that much more in relative dollars than they could by trading him to another team. So we'll see. Um, I, I get less of a sense that he's available than he than it seemed like earlier in the offseason, but that may ultimately just depend on what happens elsewhere with the Mets. If they're able to land someone like Yamamoto, then Pete Alonso is not going anywhere. He's going to play first base for them next year because they're going to want to win. Um, if not, maybe they do take that little bit of a gap year and, and reset – Judson payroll and then, you know, go hog wild 
next offseason. Again, also, do you want to go up against the Mets for Juan Soto next year? Like, do you really think you're going to outspend Steve Cohen? Like, I don't think so. So, you know, no. that kind of thing is one of those things. You, you've got to take the opportunity when it exists, and you it just doesn't come up that often. Now, Cub fans would love nothing more than a reunion with Cody Bellinger. And, 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 you know, when, when, when you, there has been people, people that have been like not happy with as far as some of the metrics with, with Cody Bellinger, but you know, when he was here, he just seemed to do a lot of good things. So the question is, can he repeat or was this just kind of a fluke here? Would you see the Cubs interested in re-signing Cody Bellinger? So from what I understand, and this is part informed partly by the reports that are out there and partly by some things I've heard just loosely. I, I don't, I'm pretty confident that he is not like their top priority. Like I, that is like, I'm, I'm using the words of a quote that has already existed. I think that that's true. Um, I think that the only way Ballinger ends up back in Chicago is if the Cubs, if two things happen, the Cubs have a big off season um, they get someone like Otani or Yamamoto or whatever, whatever you want to say it is, something where they're looking good. And at the same time, Cody Bellinger lingers on the market. And the way that that'll happen is if like, for example, the Yankees, his other biggest potential suitor land, Juan Soto, let's say, and then they don't necessarily have the appetite to give Bellinger what he wants. And I just think right now that Bellinger's asking price is significant and probably more than he's going to be worth. Um, I think he can be a really good player still. I just don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year necessarily. Um, and I do think that he's either going to be pushed out of center field by Pete Crow Armstrong or eventually just age out of the position, reducing the value further and requiring his bat to be better, which we already don't think it necessarily is going to be. So if you're a team that has a more obvious opening in center field, I think you're going to be more comfortable signing Cody Bellinger than the Cubs would be. Um, and on top of all of this looming in the background is, uh, the San Francisco giants who cannot seem to get anybody to sign with them and they want Cody Bellinger badly. So there's, you know, the, the Yankees and giants both want Bellinger. The Yankees are also interested in Soto. It, it seems likely that what could happen is Soto goes to New York, Bellinger goes to the San Francisco. Um, and, and that's kind of how I see it playing out, but uh, I certainly hope he comes back and I hope it's on a deal that makes sense. And and I don't think he needs to settle for an under market deal. If he got something in the Brandon Nemo range, like, okay, we're talking, but I think he's still North of 200 million in his asking price. It's not me reporting that. That's just what my general understanding is. And um, that's too much. I mean, I just, I don't think that that's the right contract for Cody Ballinger for the Cubs right now. All right. So no full belly for Bellinger. Michael, I appreciate you jumping on here and taking a couple minutes to talk finances and, and look at some of these players the Cubs might be interested in. Uh, where can our listeners find your work, obviously, at Bleacher Nation, any of your socials, anything you want to plug right now? Here's the time. Yeah, uh, BleacherNation.com. And then, you know, my Twitter is at Michael underscore Cerami. So, uh, you know, please follow and let's talk about the Cubs on Twitter. And the next it. time I will be seeing you, my friend, will be at a Cubs convention where hopefully we, I don't know, maybe we, we're drinking beer, maybe we're drinking champagne. Let's see what happens. But it's its going to be a, it's going to be a happening. I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a good one this year. I think the Cubs are going to have some new shiny faces to announce. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. Then we will see you then, Michael, and appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks a lot.